The Money Show. Small business. Alondra, it's good to have you on The Money Show this evening. Is it even possible for large corporates to think like agile, nimble, slightly crazy T-shirt-wearing entrepreneurs? Thanks, for Bruce, for having me on your show. And the answer is yes. And we've got a recent example of that right now, which is Microsoft Teams. Um, Microsoft, of course, a massive global business who responded like an agile entrepreneur to, to the opportunity. I think maybe a year and a half ago, no one even knew uh, what Teams was, nor Zoom. We all knew Skype. You know, everyone had Skype on their computer. We used it from time to time, time to time. And then COVID hits, and now who uses Skype? We're talking right now on Zoom. Yeah, I talk at work on, on Microsoft Teams. What happened to Skype? So big companies can fail and big companies can act agile. Um, and why is that important? I mean, I, I know why it's important, but why is it important? Well, you know, if you look at COVID just from an academic point of view, it's, it's, uh, it's a system shock. And throughout history, there are a number of system shocks. 9-11, for example, was a system shock. Uh, the whole industries fell and grew out of two airplanes flying into, tragically flying into uh, the Twin Towers, changed the whole luggage industry, the bottling industry. Uh, and what happens in those seismic shocks is corporates that don't close the gap between what the seismic shock does, in other words, creating new opportunities, then the challengers in the market see those opportunities and fill those gaps. And, um, you know, so if they don't act like an entrepreneur, they lose out just like our Skype example before. How hard is it, though, for companies, for large companies to think in a way that an entrepreneur might, because they're so set in their ways. I remember chatting to Fazam Esani. Fazam is the founder of Valor.com. It's a cryptocurrency trading platform. And he was um, the most senior person on cryptocurrencies within a bank. And I just said to him, why did you go on your own? And he goes, you know, it's very hard to work in a big corporate, in a big corporate structure. You know, they've got their ways. They don't want to disrupt themselves. They don't want to um, lose business in the short term. They, you know, they don't want to lose any business at all. So they're frightened of taking steps that change the status quo. That was what he was saying. Because in order to change your, the way you operate, you've got to change the status quo. And that, at least in the short term, can be massively costly. And, you know, managers on uh, on on bonuses or managers on uh, on share incentives don't like to put those in jeopardy. Yeah, so if you if you think about I agree 100% with the fact that they battle to, big corporates battle to to change. And you use the term they can't, about thinking entrepreneurially. You know, before COVID, I was often called into boardrooms to help um, boards think differently and think like entrepreneurs, but they never then acted like entrepreneurs. <laughs> but, you know, it was uh, it was something for a Bosporat and a nice uh, statement on, on a mission statement. But the, the organization is made up of a whole bunch of people who report into a whole bunch of people who report into a whole bunch of people. And, and they all have got systems that have been developed over years. To change a large organization, unless it's driven in a very specific way, is incredibly difficult. It's, and 
And we see this, you know, throughout history for the last 200 years of, of corporates. You've seen them, they come and go. And we always hear the classic situation that 100 years ago, the top 100 companies on, on the, the New York Stock Exchange, you know, you know, one or two exist today, 99% of them, these huge conglomerates at the time have disappeared. And that is because they battle insights to change. So what, what Bruce, what I, I think if there's a, a corporate leader listening, this is not about thinking differently. This is about how to act differently. And that's much harder because you can sit there and you can put pay lip service to it and say, you know what, guys, I'm so glad we've had this meeting. So from tomorrow, we're going to, we're going to act differently. Okay, we'll have another meeting tomorrow and talk about how we're going to do that. Um, and then they'll have yeah. the meeting and then they say, you know what, we need to do a committee because this is obviously bigger than we thought. Um, this is actually quite scary. So why don't we, we, we get subcommittees going and, and then we'll, we'll meet in a month. And in a month's time, you know, the world has changed and uh, you've kind of forgotten about the, the, the dream that you, uh, that you got the consultant in for. 100% That's exactly what happens. And what I've seen, you know, in corporates that are, let me put in vertical commas, that are very serious about this, is that they've gone beyond the lip service to actually implementing, uh, let's call it training, or, way, or ways of acting within their organization. And, and they've effectively fall into four areas. The, the first one is training their, their managers, their leaders to see opportunity. You know, uh, we we think that there's a lot of obvious opportunity that everyone sees, but there is a lot of unobvious opportunity that entrepreneurs are able to, to see. And the people who see those uh, opportunities are the ones that win. So for example, you create a scenario um, and you ask in the scenario, who wins in the scenario, who loses, who gets frustrated? So let's take COVID as an example. So COVID, you know, the obvious, there's a lot of obvious stuff, but the less obvious stuff is sawbacks. So there'll be a lot of people with sawbacks because they're sitting all the time in front of these, these um, their computers. So sawbacks then means, well, we'll probably sell more better quality chairs because people are going to say, I'm sitting at home, I might as well get a better quality chair. So that's, you know, okay, the next level. But the third level is, well, um, these people are at home, so there's probably going to be a, a floor or a carpet that's not used to a, one of those chairs. So maybe <laughs> one of those carpet or floor protectors is the opportunity. So you go from COVID to floor protectors as the opportunity by following the reasoning. And then, you know, the question is, how do we take advantage of floor protectors? And that's the kind of training, if you keep training people to – understand and see opportunity, then then an organization is better adapted to, to move in, in the direction of opportunity. Um, just to, one, uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, just I uh, just want to talk about, and please come back to your point, uh, just you've sparked a memory. Stephen Saad, the uh, founder and chief executive of Aspen Pharmacare, and I said to him, how do you, I mean, at one stage you were massively acquis acquisitive and they grew really, really quickly and they took on a lot of debt and then they've, they've had to consolidate since then. But as I said, how do you spot opportunities in the market? And he says, well, you know, when the investment bankers arrive with their little briefcases, it's too late because then the price is too mm -hmm. high. Um, and if 
you incentivize your people to go out and always be on the lookout for opportunities, if you've got that sort of mindset, more of an entrepreneurial mindset, that they are constantly on the lookout for deals, you will find out about opportunities even before the opportunity exists because they will read the market and they will be incentivized to do so. Um, and I wonder, you know, it, it, if it comes down to the structure of incentives, you know, am I paid to do my job or am I paid to, to think um, and am I incentivized to think? Am I encouraged to think? Or every time I come up with a bright idea, do I get shot down in flames? Yeah, so, so you know, you spoke about uh, earlier about uh, the, uh, the valor, the, the, the fun of valor. But, you know, I, I remember in one of the entrepreneurial banks, two, two people I know in those banks left those banks to f- set up competitors to parts of that bank. One was financing yellow metal and the other was a slightly different uh, finance opportunity. Both of them had gone to their line managers with those opportunities and were shut down and said, you know, stick to your, your, your lane, do, do what you've been paid to do. They got frustrated, left, and then competed. And so the organization needs to be able to hear the opportunity. And that comes back to this doing thing. It's a structural thing. It doesn't matter if you pay lip service or even incentivize. If the corporate is not designed in order to hear the opportunity and then most importantly do something about it, well, then it's just a waste of time. I want to. I would love if the person who rejected Adrian Gore's idea of shaking up um, medical insurance um, when he was working at Liberty as a twenty-something-year-old, and he went to his bosses and said, "Hey, guys, 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 I've got an idea." They went, eh, yeah. we don't do things like that around here. Um, or whatever the response was, it wasn't a satisfactory one. He went off to RMB, never met Laurie Dipinard in his life, and he said to Laurie Dipinard, "I've got an idea." And Laurie said, please sit down. Mm. Let's talk. Where's your team? I am the team. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, you know, and it was just he, Laurie Dippenard was able to recognize a bright idea for what it was um, and then was willing to to back it and help it grow. And, you know, look where we sit as a result of, of that thinking, um, a, a fundamentally different way of thinking in those days. Uh, 100%. And so, so the, I think the operative word here is that he, uh, Laurie Dippenine enabled Adrian Gores. And, and so that's sure. the enablement of opportunity. So, you know, so th- th- there's, there's a number of ways big corporates can, can and, and we, we perhaps don't have enough time to go through them. But, but the bottom line is that I can say all these things today, but if the organization doesn't have the ability to enable that change or, or will to enable that from the top, really, then it doesn't really matter. And that's why they die, because they, they just don't have the, the will, the deep will to, to make the changes that are required to enable change in their organizations. So just, I mean, how can they be thinking differently? How can they be positioning themselves better in order to be more open-minded, more flexible, more agile in, in the way in which they do things to ensure their own survivability, but actually just to make the world of work a bit more fun? So, Bruce, I mean, we spoke about, first of all, training themselves to, to see opportunity. The second thing is to understand their internal resources differently and, and learn how to reuse resources. So, a, an example would be 
for example, a, a glass. Because we've labeled a glass a glass and we've given it a, it has a utility in our mind. It, it blocks you from thinking about other utilities. But a glass can be used as a vase, it can be used as a, a roller, a cookie cutter. If I break it, it can be used as a weapon. Like, you know, if I'm bare grills, I can start a fire with it. You know, but <laughs> but, uh, but so, so in an organization, there's lots of resource that is, it has got a single utility. And, and entrepreneurial-minded individuals say, this can be used for something else. And if, which brings me to the point number three, which is if I recombine these resources in different ways, I can, you know, in, I, I can take advantage of an opportunity which uh, I have now identified. And the last thing uh, is the discovery of hidden skills within the organization. So looking at your people and say, what else can they be used for? And, you know, two classic examples right now is the, the reuse of um, as waiters as delivery staff in, in restaurants. But the one I love the most is, is a... Um, an organization that had uh, software business that had B, uh, BAs, business analysts, and uh, they worked out these guys were good at analyzing stuff. Um, so they they used these guys to um, actually look at businesses that are wanting to become more efficient and repurpose these individuals, these business analysts that were in software to look at businesses to make them more efficient from a systems point of view and take out costs. So a, a business analyst in software all of a sudden almost become like an efficiency consultant in, in a business. And that's being clever about what assets you have in the business and how you can repurpose them. Alon Reyes, always fabulous. Thank you so much, Alon Reyes. He is chief executive and founder of Raise Corp. He tries to help big businesses think smaller and helps to get small businesses to think bigger.